you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And welcome to the water cooler, everybody. Glad you're with us. We hope you're going to like today's show better than an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I'm David Brody. It's Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. And the reality TV we're talking about today starts with a new Secretary of State. Mike Pompeo gone. Now meet Tony Blinken. He's been sworn in, started at the State Department this morning. What does it mean for the United States and its foreign policy around the world? We're going to discuss, but of course not with Kim Kardashian. Also, climate change in the news. President Biden cranking up the wind turbines. Uh, three more executive orders today. Uh, one of the, hello, the wind turbines cranking up literally in front of my face. Uh, one of these executive orders is going to stop all new oil and gas permits on public land, along with finding ways to do you see me finding ways to double renewable energy production through offshore winds by 2030? Anyhow, Biden's also created a national climate task force. And no, Kim Kardashian is not going to lead that task force. It will actually be John Kerry. More about that. And Donald Trump, he never leaves the news. A good news for him on the impeachment front. Even Mitch McConnell thinks his impeachment trial is bogus. We will take a deeper look. And now to our newsmaker. I want to bring in Jordan Sekula with the American Center for Law and Justice and part of Donald Trump's legal team as well. Uh, Jordan, great to see you, sir. Good to see you, David. Uh, I want to get to Tony Blinken in a moment. First, though, impeachment. Where is yep. this thing, Jordan? Uh, where is it heading now? The majority of Republicans are now on record saying this whole thing is unconstitutional. I think it's heading a, a couple of ways. One, it's heading towards acquittal if they have a trial. So you've already got senators like Tim Kaine, a Democrat, saying, you know what, maybe we should look at a censure vote, which might get some more report support from Republicans. I'm not sure that it would, but let's say maybe it gets the five Republicans on board, so they'd have more than just a, a partisan vote on that. But that's, of course, very different than impeachment. A censure is just kind of like a slap on the wrist at this point when you're a former president. It doesn't do anything to you. It doesn't remove your Secret Service protection, your, your travel budget. Uh, and of course, doesn't bar you from running for office again. So I think those kind of senators are worried that yet again, the House has set them up to look like failures in the Senate uh, by having already out before they, they even hear evidence, 45 Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, say, we don't have jurisdiction. This is unconstitutional. So I think what has to be made is whether it's done in a letter or whether you actually show up as the as the as the uh, legal team and you make the argument basically is that those 45 of you that voted that way that said this is unconstitutional you're going to hear a parade of horrible things and this and that but you said this is unconstitutional which means your vote is is done you're going to vote you have to vote to acquit because yeah. you don't believe that you even have the the uh, the uh, the jurisdiction here i mean as marco rubio said it was stupid that's the word he used and rand paul said dead on arrival and I think that's why, again, you're going to have Democrat senators, David, considering whether or not they even want to proceed with this. Well, and here's another issue, Jordan, for Democrats. Why in the world would they want to give, let's be honest, Trump and his lawyers an, an open forum? If you're a Democrat, 
Why would you give them an open forum at a trial to lay out all of the election uh, uh, fraud allegations uh, that have been? I mean, they're going to do it. I mean, they're going to bring it all up to, to at least kind of rehash what was going on at the time. I mean, why would Democrats even want that? Not to mention there's a lot of dirty laundry that could be exposed uh, on Democrats if they decide to go this way, too. There is. I mean, the, one of the things we th said was, you know, when you get to the portion of the trial about the incitement, the first video we play is Chuck Schumer, now the majority leader, standing in front of the Supreme Court with right. a pretty wild crowd in front of uh, and calling out Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, who, by the way, aren't ever up for elected office. So you can't interpret his words any other way. Mm -hmm. Said the whirlwind's coming for you won't know what hit you. Now, if he, they were politicians, he could make an argument that we're going to beat you at the ballot box. But what does it mean if you're a lifetime appointed Supreme Court justice that a whirlwind will come and you won't know what hits you? That's pretty yeah. tough rhetoric. Now, do we believe that he should be thrown out of the Senate or that that would be impeachable if he was a cabinet member? I don't no. think so. But uh, but he, I guess he would if it was Donald Trump. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating to watch the, the hypocrisy unfold right before our eyes. Uh, Jordan, Tony Blinken, Secretary of yeah. State. Look, you guys at ACLJ, you do a lot as it relates to not just the, the Supreme Court and the law of the land, but, but, but really getting into foreign policy issues, the yeah. Iran nuclear deal, so much more. Uh, what do you make of what we are going to see from a Tony Blinken as compared to, let's say, a Mike Pompeo over Secretary of State? So I think what we're, we're seeing, a couple of good things. Let's start off with a couple of good things. One, he is committed to keeping uh, the U.S. embassy in Israel's capital, Jerusalem. So he's not going to reverse positions on that. At least that's what he said in his confirmation hearing. It'd be pretty tough for him to go back on that and the administration to go back on that now. Um, second, though, just to be clear, in his remarks to the State Department staff, he said we're going to move away from a transactional relationship world with the world, a.k.a. America first to a reciprocal relationship, a.k.a. America, you know, we'll, we'll scratch your back if you scratch ours. We saw a very dangerous statement uh, re, uh, to, uh, recently. I was talking to Rick Rennell, who's part of the ACLJ team, uh, former acting director of national intelligence and former ambassador to Germany under the Trump administration. And he pointed this out, which I thought was just shocking, is that the German chancellor, so this tells you about what they think about our foreign policy under Biden, said at Davos, she's not going to take a position on whether on ch the side of the Chinese or the United States. Now, we're the country, this is International Holocaust Day. Right. We're the country also that helped re put, to, re put back together Germany, if you will, and right. get the Soviets out, ultimately. And now you have Germany, the economic leader in the, in the Western Europe, say, they're not going to choose sides between China and the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they would have been so bold to ever say that under the Trump administration, whether they would have liked to or not. Yeah. Tony Blinken, uh, as you mentioned, he did address State Department employees today. Uh, it's a kind of a ritual first day on the job, if you will. Yeah. Here, here's some of his remarks. I want to get your reaction on the other side. The world is watching us intently right now. They want to know if we can heal our nation. They want to see whether we will lead with the power of our example, if we'll put a premium on diplomacy with our allies and partners to meet the great challenges of our time, like the pandemic, climate change, the economic crisis, threats to democracies, fights for racial justice, and the danger to our security and global stability posed by our rivals and adversaries. The American people are watching us, too. They want to see that we're safeguarding their well-being, that we care about their interests, that our foreign policy is about them, 
and their lives. We will do right by them by pursuing a foreign policy that delivers real benefits to American families, protects their safety, advances their opportunities, honors their values, and leaves their children and grandchildren a healthier and more peaceful world. Jordan, you got me. What is that? I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know. It sounds wonderful, right? I mean, it sounds what wonderful. What does it even mean? I don't even get the it. The first part. I don't know why the world cares about, like, the racial situation in America or if we're going to do equity or equality and, and the, the climate change is a mess. I, I think, listen, it all sounds nice, but remember, these officials were part of an administration where the world was on fire, okay? The, the past administration, the Obama-Biden administration, right. Lincoln was there. Uh, as deputy secretary of state was how he finished out. We had ISIS, we had the, and the rise of ISIS. We had uh, a, just just we had the Arab Spring, which turned out into the radical Islamic Spring. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood takeover in Egypt. Uh, Libya turned into a civil war. Failed states all over the place. Now under the Trump administration, they are inheriting a Sudan, which overthrew uh, Bashar, uh, and 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 by the way, uh, is now made peace with Israel. They're inheriting a, a Bahrain, a Qatar, uh, just this whole new setup with the world. So I think all they can do is mess it up. Huh. And, and unfortunately, they've got a record, though they talk about peace and safety for our kids and grandkids. And I hope they're true for my kids, too. I mean, I hope that's right. But I, you know, I think they are the most dangerous. They get us involved in the most conflicts and in the most wars because of their, their weak policy positions, and then ultimately that's the only option left on the table is yeah. military conflict. Jordan, speaking about danger, what about Israel? Is Israel in more danger uh, under, under this administration? You mentioned the embassy staying in Jerusalem, yeah. but, but, but w the way they're going to handle the Palestinian situation and the Iran nuclear deal, what, what's your take? Where does Israel Certainly. fall in all of this? Certainly, we've got to be ready to stand, like groups like the ACLJ, other Americans who support Israel. We've got to be ready. It's kind of, again, going back to the Obama-Biden years. You see, it's a retread, but you've got to be back and stand with Israel because this is an administration that thinks that until you solve the Palestinian issue, you really can't have peace in the Middle East. Now, that was all, that was all shown to be totally false right. because the peace deal is put together by President Trump, but they still believe that's priority one. And when that's all you focus on, you have this other problems that arise in the Middle East, like Iran, and then you've got your nuclear deal, and you want to make have tea with with uh, uh, Zarif, uh, you know, the ambassador from Iran, and that's wonderful and that's great, but it gets us, it puts us in a more da dangerous situation. And now it's not just putting Israel in a more dangerous situation; it's putting those Gulf state allies of the United States in a more difficult and dangerous situation because they've united with the U.S. and Israel against Iran, so. If we go back into a deal that allows Iran to develop those weapons, well, Saudi Arabia is going to want to develop the weapons too. And what I was just talking about happens, a more dangerous world, a world with more potential conflict, a world you don't want to live in. Yeah. By the way, 30 seconds or so, but is Blinken more, he's not a flamethrower though, right? I mean, Blinken's not one no. of those guys at all. No, not, no. I think he will sound fine. If you listen yeah. to just his speeches, he's going to be the guy that always sounds fine. But I'm always concerned about his assistants and his deputies and what they're actually doing around the world. And I think what they will do mm. is undermine the America First agenda as quickly as possible. Mm. Jordan Seculo, uh, give it to us straight. You always do. Jordan, really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks again, sir. Thanks, David. All right, Jordan Seculo, who, by the way, let me just point out, he won't say it. He's, he's pretty humble. I'm not, but that's okay. Uh, he will not say this, but he can talk about a myriad of issues. I mean, look, we were talking about Blinken.
Uh, we're talking about impeachment. Oh, by the way, he's one of Donald Trump's lawyers. Uh, there's a lot of different topics he can talk about, and that's why we have him on the show pretty much every week, and we love having him. All right, when we come back, the uh, former mayor of Baltimore, Stephanie Rawlings Blake, a friend of the show, a Democrat, is going to talk about Biden's policies in a moment. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Joe Biden has got the pen out. It's another week, another pen, a lot of executive orders uh, coming your way, America. Uh, today is a climate change day or climate day. I don't know what they're calling it exactly. Clean energy day. Uh, who knows? But uh, anyhow, he has three more executive orders that he has signed today. Uh, has to do uh, quite a bit with, uh, well, put it this way. They're creating a national climate task force. John Kerry is part of that. Uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, talked about this. And so the way I'm going to intro this is here is the Saki Sot from today. President Biden is continuing to follow through on his key promise to take swift and bold action that addresses the climate crisis, building on his day one actions of rejoining the Paris Agreement and strengthening our clean air and water protections and, to, and holding polluters accountable. Today, he will take executive action to tackle the climate, climate crisis at home and abroad while creating good paying union jobs, building sustainable <coughs> infrastructure and delivering environmental justice. Well, it sounds hunky-dory. Don't know how to spell it, but it sounds hunky-dory. Let's bring in Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, a former mayor of Baltimore. Uh, Stephanie, always great to see you. Great to see you. Thank you very much. Good, good to be seen. <laughs> All right. Skype or otherwise, doesn't matter. Hey, uh, Jen Saki talking about this new uh, proposal out by the White House on climate change. What do you make of what they're talking about? Because in essence, they, they, they believe it will create more jobs in America. And of course, the critics say, give me a break. It's not going to do that. So, so what's your what's your take? So, you know, I think it's time to be honest with people about the decline in the coal industry. I think our previous president really played into the fears and the insecurities of a, a, a large swath of the population without giving real solutions. And the, the truth is climate change is real. Uh, the, the truth is that coal, job, coal plants and coal jobs were leaving um, and, and they were leaving and had nothing to do with the Paris Climate Accord. It had everything to do with the industry. Uh, but instead of being honest and having that conversation, uh, I think too many people tried to exploit the, the insecurities of those workers uh, and really didn't give them good alternatives. So I, I, I know that um, there are jobs in clean energy, but I also know that the Biden administration has to show and prove. Um, I think it's, it's, it's very important that we be a part of the global, uh, global conversation around climate change, and we have to uh, be forthright. And, and you know, the, we have to be, was it Missouri, the show me state? Biden has to be the show me jobs when it comes to uh, these, these new clean jobs. Right. So when you say the show me jobs, uh, if you will, 
how do you say that? The jury's still out, or what do you want to see exactly uh, here? I don't, I don't think, when you say the jury is still out, it's not that I don't believe that those jobs are available. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in Baltimore, we, we did a lot of work with, um, with jobs around clean energy, solar, uh, weatherization, those things, those jobs that can't be uh, exported out, those mm-hmm. jobs that have to be done you know, at home. Um, so I know those jobs exist, and I know that uh, there's a possibility for the people who have been displaced in the coal industry to find those jobs. What I'm saying is um, the, the show me is that, you know, he actually has to put these plans in place and, you know, and concentrate on identifying these people who are out of work or we're trying to transition into cleaner work and actually put them into real jobs. No, that's a great point. And, you know, I've done some research and I guess you can find research on both sides of the issue. But but my understanding is that these clean energy jobs, they don't pay as much uh, as what maybe uh, your typical oil or shale worker is, is making. I hear it's about half. And so I wonder if that's part of the conversation here. You know, what kind of jobs are, are these folks getting? It doesn't seem like they, they pay as much. So I don't know. That could be part of it too. Yeah. And and the, the I'm not I'm I certainly am not disputing that. Mm-hmm. Uh what I'm also saying is they might not pay as much, but they're there. The the mm-hmm. um the the cold jobs are leaving, period. And they're they and they have been. They've been on a downwards uh they've been on, on a downward trajectory. So mm-hmm. um if you are in that industry um, you need to make plans for your future, not because Biden is president, but because of the changes in um, in, in the coal industry, in the, in the energy uh, industry. Yeah. Uh, the Keystone Pipeline was another big deal, obviously. That was last week, uh, basically stopping the construction or the permit uh, to, to begin the construction on the Keystone Pipeline. What, what do you make of that? Because there's been a lot of criticism that that has uh, led to some folks saying uh, more than 11,000 jobs lost. I, I don't think it's that much. But but I do think there are jobs lost in this process. What's your take on that? I think there are definitely jobs lost in the process, but there's also, I think, bigger uh, consideration that there were so many environmental issues surrounding the Keystone um, pipeline. And and, um, from what I understand, there were several um, in the energy industry, in the oil industry, who were not pushing for the uh, pipeline to continue because of all of those challenges, Um, much like many of the uh, regulation rollbacks that our previous president uh, did. There was clear business interest, uh, but uh, sometimes our communities were left behind. Yeah. What are you looking to see from this uh, administration overall on climate change? I mean, we talked about jobs, but but what, what do you want to see as former mayor of Baltimore, some of the things that you did? Uh, what, what What is the most important priority right now when it comes to fight, fighting climate change? Because there's a lot of people, as you might imagine, that that are skeptical of the science, but let's put that aside for a second. I mean, they're just also skeptical that the economy itself uh, can be overhauled and changed to a point where there's going to be, there won't be economic ruin in the process. My biggest hope around climate and everything else is that um, regardless of your party affiliation, regardless of who you voted for, um, my hope is that people as Americans, that we can come together and um, you know, if, if there are jobs on the table, if there are opportunities on the table, that the people that need them actually come forward and take them and not, um, you know, close the door on, you know, what's possible in these new economies uh, just because they're being proposed by a Democratic president. Mm-hmm. You think that's a possibility or what, what does Biden have to do in that in that vein? I think it is. 
Biden has to continue to do what he has always done, which is talk across the aisle. But I also think there's a huge responsibility uh, on the Republican side. And uh, these these people who say that they care about our country have to care enough uh, to stop fighting and start working for a better future for Americans. All right. Stephanie Rollins Blake, if you can stay with us, we've got a lot more to talk about. We're going to talk about domestic terrorism in the United States, obviously a big talker after the January 6th riots. And there's new information uh, coming out today from the Biden administration regarding a national terrorism alert as it relates to domestic terrorism. So we'll talk about that. And Tulsi Gabbard also with some interesting comments about, uh, well, not just uh, domestic terrorism, but implying two different people in all of it. Back in a moment. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake back with us. The former mayor of uh, Baltimore was in for one segment and, and now back with us for uh, a second segment. I mean, th- th- so happy that you s- stuck around, Stephanie. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, by the way, I don't want to bury the lead, but, you know, we do judge, not people, but we judge Skype shots here. And that, you're, you're in top three of all time Skype shots here at The Water Cooler. Yes. I, I, w- I was a little nervous because I had to change it up today, so I'm glad I'm still in contention. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, boy, she's making some headlines. She likes to be provocative, doesn't she? All right. Let's uh, show you a little bit of some of the headlines, uh, and this is what she said, actually. Uh, she said, the mob who stormed the Capitol to try to stop Congress from carrying out its constitutional responsibilities were behaving like domestic enemies of our country. But let us be clear, the John Brennans, Adam Schiff's, and the oligarchs in big tech, uh, who are, as we continue on, (laughs) who are trying to undermine our constitutionally protected rights and turn out our country into a police state with KGB-style surveillance, are also domestic enemies and much more powerful and therefore uh, dangerous than the mob which stormed the Capitol. Goes on to say, President Biden, I call upon you and all of Congress from both parties to denounce efforts by uh, Brennan and others to take away our civil liberties endowed to us by our creator and guaranteed in our Constitution. If you don't stand up to them now, then our country will be in great peril. I want to just kind of overall get your reaction to what she is saying. Uh, Stephanie? So I, I definitely think um, she has a point. We have to be careful about the protection of our First Amendment right. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I got uh, stung from both sides when I worked very hard to protect the um, First Amendment rights of protesters in Baltimore. And then I was um, being, you know, on, on the one hand, I was told that I was being uh, too too lenient, and on the other hand, uh, that I didn't support, uh, you know, that that I didn't support um, their their efforts for um, criminal justice and police reform. So it's a delicate balance. Um, so definitely, uh, Tulsi Gabbard has a point. I think that the challenge um, that she continuously finds herself in is not necessarily what she says, but how she says it, and then what happens after that. I think it. If you want to be a part of the solution, 
um, you're not necessarily going to do that by um, with a provocative tweet. You know, it's about sitting down with the people who are in your party and in Congress that are making these decisions and trying to do the hard work to identify identify these red flags or these lines in the sand that as Americans, we should not cross in, in order to protect our civil liberties. Right. And Stephanie, I don't want to label you. I don't know if you call yourself a progressive uh, or exactly how you would label yourself. Maybe, and I, I hate labels, by the way. But but I'm curious is what you would say uh, to conservatives who are concerned about the, the, the First Amendment, you know, this idea that if you're a Trump supporter, that you're going to be kind of you know, on this, some sort of enemies list, uh, whether it be big tech or, or whether it be, uh, you know, some other form. And listen, I, l- let me do the disclaimer and say anybody saying crazy stuff, so to speak, uh, and conspiracy theory stuff, I mean, that, that, that's off limits. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. But, but what about just your normal suburban housewife who supports Trump? I mean, I think that's more the issue. You mean the dwindling number of suburban housewives that are okay. support, that support. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, but to, to your point, uh, what I would say to to everyone who says that they are they are in support of the First Amendment which is to be consistent and to to be in support of uh, the First Amendment when it's convenient and when it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and then so the question then becomes moving forward. I'm wondering about these. We've heard about. And I don't know if Trump's going to run again, but I don't want to get into all that right now. But but this idea that MAGA rallies could be these like on a domestic terrorism watch list. I mean, you wonder how how far this is going to go. And I think that that's the concern. I understand the concerns. And I also understand why conservatives have those concerns is because uh, they they are uh, hopeful that uh, the left will not treat them the way that they treated, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter uh, peaceful protesters when, you know, there were some in that group uh, that decided that they wanted to riot, to loot, to to be violent. Uh, and so many in conservative circles lumped all of them together. Uh, so I understand their concern because, you know, they're hoping that the golden rule doesn't apply to them. Um, so, you know, I, I would suggest that, you know, that we treat everyone consistently. We all know that there are some of there are some uh, that that exploit peaceful protests for their own selfish means, whether it's on the left or the right. And we should be able to have honest conversations about that and not lump everyone, whether it's uh, Black Lives Matter protests or if it's MAGA, uh, you know, protesters, we should not lump all of them um, into the same category um, as the worst of both. Well, I 100% agree with you. And so just so I'm understanding, I'm clear with what you're saying. You're saying that uh, just because they're, they're, they're crazies uh, in, on one side and, and there's some crazies, I call them crazies, but you know what I'm saying. There are people that are, are not part of the movement that both sides are trying to, to articulate is what you're saying. Yeah, and and be clear. This is I'm not doing the 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 both sides, you know, that whole thing. What right. I'm what I'm saying is uh, I'm not. What I'm saying is, uh, conservatives have been um, very heavy-handed in their identification of uh, individuals who are fighting for uh, life, fighting for um, you know, police reform, fighting for um, equal justice. They've been quite critical of that group and lumping them all together with those those opportunities oh, those opportunists that use that well, uh, to the riot to loot into to have violence and 
what I say, we still, we as, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the left, the Democrats need to be as careful uh, with them because we know, I mean, I, I know people that were out there from Maryland and they didn't want to storm the Capitol. They just, uh, you know, they're, they're Trumpers, yeah. whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And just to be clear, I, you know, the conservatives that you're talking about being heavy handed, I mean, you know, just to be clear, they were all for uh, them, anybody marching peacefully. I think they, the issue they had is when people were starting to burn down, you know, police stations and other stuff like that. Well, so, I, mean, I hear that. I got 10 seconds. I, you know Go that, ahead. Yeah, I hear you, but you know how it is. People have been, um, there's yeah. a broad stroke, broad stroke. I hear you. All right, to be continued. Uh, Stephanie Rawlings, Blake, great to see you, as always. All right, double duty for Stephanie Rollins Blake. All right, we're back in a moment. Uh, we've got Rick Green on the show, America's Constitution coach. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, we've got, uh, you know, it's a new handy thing we got going. I call it a handy thing. I don't know if it's a handy-dandy thing, but it's our, here's what it's called, ready, and I like to shout it all the time, the poll of the day. The water cooler poll of the day. Who is that guy? That is an impressive voice. This is so cheesy, but it's kind of perfect for our show, isn't it? All right, here's the poll of the day. Do you favor or oppose President Biden's decision to stop construction of the Keystone Pipeline? 30% strongly favor, somewhat. Uh, 16% somewhat favor it. 9% somewhat oppose it. 25% strongly oppose it. 20% say, why are you asking me this question? I have no clue. I'm not sure I'll get back to you sometime in the future. And really, why are you bothering me with all this? So if you look at it, 40, I'm doing math here on the fly. This is impressive. 46% actually favor and 34% oppose for now. We'll see how it goes. Uh, they might want to read a little bit about how uh, this just in it could be kind of job killing. Uh, maybe they'll have more information and then we can redo the poll. All right, uh, let's bring in uh, Rick Green, America's Constitution coach. Uh, he's not going to talk about the poll today. He's got some other uh, stuff to talk about, including impeachment, because we love having him uh, on the show. Uh, Rick, always good to see you, sir. Hey, Dave, good to be with you, man. How, how can I ignore that poll? Yeah, you, you can't just go skip ahead, over the poll. Go I, ahead. I, I, I mean, 46% of Americans actually support the idea of killing tens of thousands of jobs and, and, and making it more dangerous to transport oil. It's just nuts. I mean, we're that uneducated and uninformed. That's a media-inspired poll because of the push towards uh, the Green New Deal. Uh, mm -hmm. Unbelievable that on day one, Joe Biden would kill so many jobs. Just yeah. unbelievable. Well, hey, don't blame the messenger. I just put the poll. I just read whatever's on prompter, Rick. So don't, hey, listen. I, uh, listen, you got a microphone. But you read so well. Yeah, I mean, it's just you read so well. So Thank it's, you. Yeah. No, I'm a trained yeah. reader. I went to the Shakespearean Academy School of Anchoring, so I appreciate that. Hey, you've got a mic there. You could do poll of the day. I could see you doing that with a Rick Green voice, <laughs> but anyhow. All right, Rick. The Constitution yes. and impeachment, look, Democrats, I mean, really, they're going to unify the country and, and their, their first unifying move in the Senate is to uh, go through with an impeachment trial? Say what? 
this is this is much more fitting of a banana republic than a constitutional republic. I mean, mm -hmm. think of why we're a constitutional republic. The founders wanted the rules on paper because they knew the depravity of man. They wanted to make sure we couldn't get outside the rules, so they put it on paper. It could not be more clear how an impeachment works and who can actually be impeached, and yet it's being completely ignored. I mean, they were trying to prevent these kind of freak shows, mm -hmm. these, these mm -hmm. show trials. Uh, this is no different than Stalin's show trials in, in, in the 30s. I think the biggest difference is, uh, in this case, the show trial uh, for show trials for, for Stalin were used to absolutely shut down the opposition and kill freedom of speech and, and silence the opposition in any way they could. In this case, I think they're going to awaken uh, the sleeping giant in America. You know, I, I think it's going to backfire on them. It, it's a big mistake. Um, they, they're completely distorting the Constitution. This is not even in any way ambiguous. I mean, the Constitution is unambiguous here. Article 1, Section 3, Article 2, Section 4, it's very clear. It is only a president or a vice president or an officer of the United States that can be impeached in these kind of situations. So yeah. they're, they're making this up as they go. I want to get some more reaction uh, from you uh, after playing this uh, soundbite, if we will, from Rand Paul, who was on the Senate floor the other day and pretty much summed it up uh, perfectly. You probably heard some of these comments, but uh, he, here's what Rand Paul said. This impeachment is nothing more than a partisan exercise designed to further divide the country. Democrats claim to want to unify the country, but impeaching a former president, a private citizen, is the antithesis of unity. Democrats brazenly appointing a pro-impeachment Democrat to preside over the trial is not fair or impartial and hardly encourages any kind of unity in our country. No, unity is the opposite of this travesty we are about to witness. If we are about to try to impeach a president, where is the Chief Justice? If the accused is no longer president, where is the constitutional power to impeach him? Private citizens don't get impeached. Impeachment is for removal from office. And the accused here has already left office. I mean, Rick, where is the Chief Justice? What are they getting a guy from 7-Eleven to be in the Senate chair? What, what's going on? Hey, first of all, thank God for Rand Paul. I mean, the fact that he pushed this to a vote, uh, the fact that he articulated it so well. I mean, that's the thing. They're trying to pick and choose. They they, they want they're, they're coveting this phrase in uh, in Article One, Section Three, about disqualifying someone from office uh, from future office. But that's after a comma, and before the comma is removal from office. There's no office to remove. Donald Trump from. Uh, so thank God for, for, for Rand Paul and for the other 44 senators that sided with him. So 45 senators are saying this is a kangaroo court. This is a show trial. Uh, there's no way there'll be a conviction. And uh, I just wish their colleagues would listen. This is so dangerous for the Constitution. It's so dangerous for the rule of law. I mean, if they can impeach Donald Trump, they can impeach Dave Brody next. And if they do, I'll be glad to represent you, man. But I mean, this is literally going after a citizen. Uh, no part of the Constitution allows for this. Yeah. And by the way, uh, this whole idea that they can uh, this in the Constitution it talks about removing uh, a president or someone from office. Uh, what, the, what the Democrats really want to do here is just stop, not remove, but they want to stop Donald Trump from running for office ever again. But they were never going to get 67 votes to begin with. This whole thing just felt like a sham from the get go. I think they thought they might get there because McConnell really? kind of signaled yeah. there were other Republicans that said, yes, they would support it. And and clearly Mitt Romney and the other, um, you know, blinded by Trump deranged syndrome uh, Republican senators. There's five of them. That, yeah, there that, they that are. We'll put them up on the screen. That, yeah. 
There they are. I mean, you know, basically they just can't see the forest for the trees at this point. So, you know, again, in, in incredibly dangerous. Look, the Senate figured this out over 200 years ago. The House impeached William Blunt. He was a signer of the declaration that had become a U.S. senator, got involved in some scandals. House impeached. Senate said, wait a minute. He, he, they already removed him from office, they actually removed him from the Senate. He's not an officer of the United States. He's not someone that can be impeached under the Constitution. And they absolutely got rid of it and said, you guys are nuts. I don't think this Senate is going to do that. It's going to be 55-45 probably at the end of the day. But hey, look at the silver lining, David. Maybe they'll get so busy with this, they can't advance the socialist Marxist agenda of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. We'll see. Well, we will see. I'll check with Bernie Sanders. He's sitting in a chair with mittens. So I, I, I'll check. I'll I check. almost, I almost yeah. wore that for you today. I was, do, do I was going to get my bit down and wear that. Can for you, you do today. that again? Please do that one more time. That was so, that. <laughs> that <laughs> oh my gosh, we've got You're off the rails. Fun, man. All right, uh, yep. Rick, Rick Green, thank you. Really appreciate it. Uh, Rick hey, Green stay with in a, there, buddy. I, I will. Uh, Rick Green with a Bernie Sanders uh, imitation with the mittens uh, and everything. Actually, he didn't have the mittens. We need to get him some mittens. Madison, is that in the budget? Madison says she has mittens. All right, uh, back in a moment with something else. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. We, uh, <laughs> John Kerry. So, you know, John Kerry could have been president in 2004. He missed it by about 3 million votes. He could have been president of the United States. Instead, he went on to, well, just do a lot of other things like broker the Iran nuclear uh, deal. So that was a big winner. Uh, and now he's back. He's climate czar, whatever that means. Uh, here he was at the podium today. Today, in the order that he will sign, that Gina has described to you, uh, he makes climate central to foreign policy planning, to diplomacy, and to national security preparedness. It creates new platforms to coordinate climate action across the federal agencies and departments, sorely needed. And most importantly, it commissions uh, a national intelligence estimate on the security implications of climate change to give all of us an even deeper understanding of the challenge. This is the first time a president has ever done that. You know, he could have been president of the United States. Can we get a still picture up, uh, folks, uh, of that, of John Kerry with the White House podium behind him like that? Uh, I just want you to visually think about that. There, look, this is his moment. This is John Kerry's moment. He's become president of the dot, 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 oh, never mind. He's not president of the United States. It's Joe Biden. Uh, good for him. But this, look, John Kerry, you know what he's thinking. He's not thinking about climate change. I guarantee he's not thinking about climate change. He's thinking, man, 
this could have been me. And look at this look, because he was born, uh, well, I, I don't want to say, he was born in, in America, obviously, but he lived overseas in Switzerland. Uh, he's got the whole resume going on. I mean, this is him. I mean, this is his moment. He's climate czar, wah, wah, wah. He could be president of the United but he's not. But I guarantee you this is going to be a screenshot. Teresa Hines Carey, his wife, I guarantee is at home screenshotting that and saying, Johnny, Johnny, this could have been you. But it's not. By the way, a quick little John Kerry trivia uh, for you. Did you know John Kerry was on an episode of Cheers in 1992, the uh, TV uh, hit sitcom uh, from NBC? Oh, here's the only problem with that. His last name was spelled incorrectly. It was K-E-R-R-E-Y. So there you go. Listen, you know you will not find that information anywhere else today other than the water cooler that John Kerry's name was misspelled on Cheers in 1992. And he's not president. Thank you very much. Back in a minute. Mm. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, the end of the show. The end of the show. What am I talking about? The end of the show. I'm not even making any sense because it's the end of the show. It's been a very taxing show for me personally. Thanks for caring. Daniel Payne uh, is with us, uh, justthenews.com. Daniel, always working on some sort of uh, story. And I'll be honest with you, full disclosure, I have no idea what you're going to talk about. Look, I just lay a bear for the audience. What do you got, Daniel? Well, Dave, we're going to talk about a biomedical research fund today. And I got to say, it sounds like you've been uh, dipping into some biomedical research as well, <laughs> as far as I can tell. I, mean, but, uh, I hope you're feeling all right. Um, we have a pretty big report up at Just the News this afternoon about uh, a whistleblower complaint and an uh, inspector general report showing that um, officials with the Department of Health and Human Services were for many years dipping into a biomedical research fund in the federal government to pay for unrelated administrative costs, salaries, even in some cases, apparently the removal of office furniture. So it looks to be an exploding scandal. It took place over both the Obama years and the Trump years, and it looks like it's just coming to light today. Wow, that's fascinating. So this is, so tell me a little bit more about it. How much more do we know? And you say it was going on for a while? Yeah, so it looks like it started uh, in the later years of the Obama administration. It continued until 2019. Um, and what we see is hundreds of thousands of dollars in salaries apparently misappropriated from this fund, uh, potentially upwards of $2.3 million total in misused funds uh, from what's known as BARDA in the Health and Human Services Department. So hmm. a whistleblower originally brought attention to this, and an inspector general report uh, has come out that uh, that has uh, appeared to substantiate some of these claims. So, uh, you know, of course, this is all in flux right now, and I think the... Uh, the investigatory process is still ongoing, but uh, right now it looks to be potentially a major scandal. Wow, Daniel Payne, really appreciate your insight. By the way, is your office literally in that closet behind you? Is that where you do your best work? You know, I'm really excited, Dave. This, this is the weekend that my family is finally going to let me out of this closet. One time <laughs> a year it happens, so, so okay. I, I hope it's going to be fun. An exclusive, Daniel Payne, uh, out with us uh, from the closet. Thank you, sir. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, my gosh. Oiga Volt. All right. Uh, on the show tomorrow, boy, we've got a good show. 
I mean, we're already complimenting ourselves. we got a great show. Uh, the former press secretary for Nancy Pelosi, Brendan Daly, will be here. Democrat. Jenna Ellis, on set. That's cool. Nathan Gonzalez, he's been around. Well, I don't want to say he's been around for a while, but we've had him on the show a couple of times uh, from uh, Inside Elections. And Pastor Brian Gibson, still in hiding because of the threats made against him. What a show. I'm going to call my mom. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call my mom.